Happy Easter. You know, this year, uh, like the last few weeks, have been uh, very different than usual, different than any Easter I can remember. And so this year what we've done is we're doing three shorter teachings that together make a fuller sermon, but all three can stand alone as well. And we've done that in hopes that these are easier for you to share uh, with friends and loved ones as we celebrate Easter uh, from home uh, in, in a very different way than we normally do. But each one will look at the resurrection from a slightly different perspective. And in this first, I want us to just consider the case that Jesus was was physically, literally raised from the dead. Uh, I mentioned last week in our sermon series leading up to this, that Jesus is still today largely regarded as the single most influential person to ever live. This is an amazing thought to consider. Why is it that so many around the world today are celebrating Easter, confessing that Jesus is God and that he has been raised from the dead? And so in this first part of three for Easter, I want to sketch for you why I think it's plausible to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Not that I'll prove to you the resurrection, but I want you to see that it is plausible to believe this. What we know from history is there are eyewitnesses that claim to have seen the risen Jesus. Now, this doesn't prove that Jesus rose from the dead, but it is a fact of history that many people claim to have seen the risen Jesus. The Apostle Paul says that he saw Jesus raised from the dead. And we have quite a record of how Paul traveled the world boldly proclaiming this truth. Paul was active in doing so from the mid-30s A.D. to about the mid-60s A.D., starting churches and then corresponding with those churches by letter. And so in 1 Corinthians, we have one of those letters to the church in Corinth, a church that Paul had started. And as he wrote back to them, we have a clear example of what he had been teaching as he says so very plainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And then last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And so what Paul writes and what he tells us is that uh, over 500 people saw Jesus uh, resurrected alive. And many of them are still alive today as he writes. And so he's writing and what he's saying is he's extending an invitation to go and ask these eyewitnesses. And that's why he tells us that many are still alive today. We see a similar line of argument in the book of Acts, which is a book that chronicles the spread of the early church. And again, it covers that 30 to 60s A.D. as the church spreads. But in Acts 26, Paul stands before King Agrippa and Festus in a public trial. And it says this in Acts 26. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. And what Paul says is that we are boldly spreading this news that Jesus has been raised. It's not a secret. And when we read that, if you're like me at all, 
somewhat skeptical by nature, you can immediately begin to make your case in your mind as to why that cannot be true. Just because some people said it doesn't make it true. Many people have and continue to say that today and make those cases against it. And if you were to make a case against the resurrection today, we would probably start with what we know about science, which if we know anything, it's that when you die, you're dead. People die all the time, every day, thousands upon thousands, and they're not coming back to life. If they were today, I'm sure someone would have some proof or we'd be able to point to a a cell phone video or a YouTube video. And it does. We could just say, well, it just doesn't happen. There's no verified accounts. End of story. And so we dismiss the claims of resurrection because they butt up against our worldview and how we believe things are today. Or maybe uh, you've grown up in the church and you do believe and you do love Jesus and put your faith in him. But you still struggle with the idea of a physical bodily resurrection that it still causes uh, struggle or, or maybe cast doubt in your mind. And so wherever you fall in that, let me just sketch a quick outline in this first part of our Easter series that says it's reasonable to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to briefly give you three things to think on. And I'm just going to ask that if those spark some thoughts um, that maybe answer some doubts or lead you to think more deeply about Jesus and his resurrection, I would just ask that you reach out love nothing more than to have a conversation with you. There is much more than what I'm going to say in just the next few minutes in this short video. So please let this be the beginning of a dialogue or the beginning of your journey to investigate these things. And so here's just a couple things that I want you to consider that apart from the resurrection literally happening, we struggle to have a good answer for. And so the first one, sometimes people will dismiss the resurrection uh, as as it was just believed by people uh, who first believed it and then propagated the tale that they were uh, simple minded, that they were products of their culture, that they were easily taken by fantastical tales, that they were used to myths and the likes. Uh, and they don't know what we know, and especially in the area of science. And so sometimes uh, this is the line of reasoning. We shouldn't listen to them because they were easily duped. But the truth is, that's that's not accurate at all of the culture in the first century. They had every reason to be as skeptical or even more so than we are today. And so to dismiss out of hand like that, uh, to ignore their culture and the way they viewed things is and embrace this line of thinking. It's something that uh, C.S. Lewis called uh, chronological snobbery. That is where we're much smarter today and we're more enlightened and we would never fall for such stories of resurrection. Yet they easily could have. And so what happens is we dismiss the claims without ever truly considering them. But when you consider this, and this is verifiable about the ancient world through literature and archaeology, you don't have to take the Bible's word for it. But in the time of Jesus, all the dominant worldviews had uh, in them an idea that individual bodily resurrection was almost inconceivable. It would have been every bit as difficult for them to believe it as it is for us today when we would hear such a tale. Well, why is that? In Greco-Roman thinking, the soul or the spirit was good 
in the physical and the material world was weak. It was corrupt. It was defiled. To them, the physical was always falling apart. And so therefore, salvation was conceived as liberation from the body. In this worldview, resurrection was not only impossible, but it was totally undesirable. Even more so, it was offensive to even suggest such a thing. If you look throughout history and literature, you will see that this is confirmed at every place that death is mentioned. They would have reacted just as strongly against the possibility of bodily resurrection as we would have today when presented with this story of Jesus' resurrection. But the second objection that I want us to consider goes something like this. Jesus uh, didn't rise from the dead, but his followers being so distraught and and so crushed by his death uh, began to have hallucinations. And they imagined him appearing to them and speaking to them. After all, they wanted to believe so badly and they had believed so firmly that he was the Messiah and they just couldn't process his death. And so they began to tell stories of seeing him alive. And so it goes over time. They embellish the stories and the legends and eventually the lines uh, begin to blur between legend and fact. And over time, as they told and retold the stories, it was then passed off as true. But this goes back to the first point. Resurrection would have needed to be at least imaginable for Jesus's followers, a valid option in their worldview to create such a tale. But it was not. If they were going to embellish the truth, would it have not been based on their own understanding? But what followed in the church was not. It wasn't based on anything that was in their worldview at all. Jews, just like the rest of the predominant worldviews at the time, had no room for resurrection in the middle of history. They believed in a Messiah that would come and bring about the end of civilization and make all things perfect. And that those that were already dead would be raised to judgment. And the only mentions uh, of this in the Old Testament gave an image of a spectacular claim. Like in the book of Daniel, it talks about them shining like stars in their resurrection bodies. And so if you're going to make up a story, it would have had to have done so within the norms of what they knew and what they understood. But it most certainly did not. Not even close. And again, this is something that is verifiable from the sources that we have from history and what is known to be factually true about the people at the time. You don't have to take the Bible's word for that. They didn't explain resurrection in any way that borrowed from any of the ideas that were present in the culture. But then the last one, and this is important because I really believe we have no explanation at all, is it's their worldview completely and totally changes overnight. And this is attested and proven down through history. After the death of Jesus, the entire Christian community suddenly adopted a set of beliefs that were brand new and until that point had been completely unthinkable. This is, again, verifiable outside of the Bible through archaeology and history. People overnight in one generation immediately went from not believing in resurrection was even possible, having no framework to even imagine it, 
to immediately worshiping a man as God risen from the dead. Religious scholar N.T. Wright points out that every one of these beliefs was unique in the world up to that time. But in every other instance that we know of, such a massive shift in thinking at the worldview level only happens to a group of people over a period of time. For such a huge shift to take place, it ordinarily takes years of discussion and argument in which various thinkers and writers debate the nature of the issue until one side wins. That is how culture and worldviews change and have always changed that we see throughout history. But this is not what happened here. It is completely and totally unprecedented in history that a new understanding of resurrection sprang up completely formed overnight and it flies in the face of the culture in which it was born. It demands an explanation as to why this belief took hold and spread the world over to where we are still celebrating Jesus and his resurrection today. And so I believe the answer is simply this. The world changed overnight because the tomb was empty and Jesus was raised from the dead. Happy Easter. May we go and love others as God has loved us.